Our scripture reading today is going to be Galatians 5, 1 through 15. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Amen. You guys may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, your word is good and your word is true. We pray that you would take these words which you have spoken and you would cause us intervene in this gathering and make us hear them. Make us receive them. Make us believe them. Lord, shape us by them in your power. Pray that you would help us, O oh Lord. Pray that you would help us. Amen. Friends, if you haven't done so already, please take your Bible. Turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Here at Redeemer, we are studying our way through the book of Galatians. And we have been in two and a half chapters of Paul really hammering the same point again and again and again. The good news, if you've been with us for the last five weeks, is we're going to say something different today. But it all builds off the last five weeks. Galatians has been driving this point home, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to free his people from the bondage of sin and death. And what these 15 verses of Scripture call us to do is to understand and believe that walking with Jesus is learning to live in spiritual freedom. Walking with Jesus is learning to live in spiritual freedom. But sometimes freedom isn't easy. Sometimes freedom isn't 
easy. So we're going to begin this morning with Christ has set us free. And then we're going to spend the rest of Galatians wrestling down how we experience and walk in that freedom. As I was preparing this week, I I kept thinking about the movie, The Shawshank Redemption. And in the movie, Morgan Freeman's character, Red, is finally freed from prison at the end of the movie. And he says, all I want is to go back where things make sense. Where I don't have to be afraid all the time. And I think this just touches on a reality. Bondage is bad. but Sometimes bondage is easy because you know exactly what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And the challenge, by the way, I did get you out of bed this morning so I could say to you, bondage is bad, okay? Just stating the obvious here. But the challenge is learning to live in spiritual freedom. So we're going to consider that this morning. Our first point, if you're taking notes, is simply this, freedom. In most of our translations, Verse 1 of chapter 5 begins this way. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Now, let's do a little grammar. In the ESV, you get this semicolon that says that's a thought. That's one thought. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took on human flesh, lived a life completely righteous before God. He offered that life on a cross as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity in such a way that all who would repent and believe and call on his name would be forgiven, would be accepted as children of God, would be welcomed into the family of God, and would be viewed as righteous before God, the testimony of the scripture, the testimony of Galatians is humanity is in spiritual bondage and submission to law actually increases bondage. And Jesus came and lived and died and rose again to free his people from spiritual bondage. Bondage. I just kind of want to shout it really loudly and say amen and go sit down. Christ freed us from the bondage of sin and death, meaning he gave us life. Christ freed us from the bondage of having to earn our righteousness. Christ freed us from the fear of wondering where we stand before God. Christ freed us from the anxiety of having to work every moment, wondering whether or not we've done enough. 
Christ freed us to enjoy God rather than to be uh, clammy-palmed, afraid of him. Christ has freed the people of God through his life. So the testimony of the scripture that's being celebrated right here in verse 1 is, if we're in Christ, we're free from the bondage of sin and death. If we're in Christ, we are free from the burden of having to seek to earn our standing before God. If we're in Christ, we're free from the weight of performative righteousness. If we're in Christ, we are free. This is the declaration that begins the chapter. So let's ask a couple practical questions so I don't just keep screaming at you. How does that sound? First, what is the freedom being celebrated here? What is the freedom being celebrated here? The freedom is a spiritual freedom brought to the people of Jesus through faith in Jesus. Look at verses 5 and 6. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. The freedom is a spiritual freedom. Friends, if you're here today as a Christ follower, then the scripture says you've been made alive. You've been called a child of God. The spirit of God dwells within you and you are free to live joyfully as a child of If you're here today, you're exploring our faith, you're exploring Christianity, you're not sure where you stand before the Lord, then the scripture would say you're actually in bondage, even though you got up early enough to come to the early service at a Baptist church in the South. The buckle of the Bible belt, you're still in bondage unless Christ sets So the freedom being celebrated here is a spiritual freedom. Now, let's ask one more question. What freedom is not being celebrated here? And here in the buckle of the Bible belt, there's another reality we have to talk about. Okay. The word freedom has lots of connotations, right? We have, there's spiritual freedom, there's political freedom, there's lots of other personal freedoms that we get to enjoy as American citizens and celebrate. But let's be clear. Galatians 5.1 is not promising that Christ brought political freedom. So let's not 
try to read political freedom into the spiritual freedom being celebrated here. Galatians 5.1 is not saying that Christ purchased for us our inalienable rights. We celebrate them in our country. We fight for them in our country, but that is not what is being celebrated as part of what Christ has done for us. So all I'm asking is that we as good American citizens who love Jesus try to separate out. We use the word freedom in lots of different ways, but let's try to separate out the way we use it. What's being celebrated here is a spiritual freedom brought to God's people so that they can move about and love him and serve him and love others and serve others because he has done much for us. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Now, Paul's going to do two things. He's going to give two warnings to teach us how to exercise our freedom. Two warnings to teach us how to exercise our freedom. Warning number one, which is our second point this morning. Don't return to bondage. Don't return to bondage. And frankly, I should have held my Shawshank Redemption story for right here. Because what Red is saying is, I need to go back to bondage because freedom's uncomfortable for me. And I can't help but look back over 2,000 years of history since Christ lived and died and rose again and see the people of Jesus constantly trying to return to the bondage of legalism and the bondage of rule keeping and the bondage of performative righteousness. And Paul simply says, don't do it. Look at verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. That's the first statement. Second statement, stand therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, put on your deep intellectual PhD hat and ask this question. Why would Paul say don't submit again to a yoke of slavery? There's a very obvious answer. Because the Galatians are being tempted to submit again to a yoke of slavery. He's saying, if Jesus at great cost to himself purchased your freedom, then enjoy the freedom. Don't return to slavery. Those of you who've been with us for a long time here at Redeemer, remember this time last year when we were going through the book of Exodus? What was the theme? What did the God got the, the Israelites out of Egypt? He was moving them toward the promised land. And what did they keep wanting to do? Let's just go back to Egypt. We knew what our days were going to look like there. It was terrible, but at least our expectations were right. Let's go back. Paul's saying, don't return to bondage. And so in verses 2 through 6, he's going to Really, verses 2 through 12, he's going to go back to this problem in Galatia. And he's going to say, you're being tempted to return to bondage. The problem in Galatia was whether 
Christians who had faith in Jesus needed to submit to circumcision and submit to the weight of the Jewish law. That was the problem in Galatia. And Paul comes right out and says it, frankly, as clearly as he does in the whole letter. Verse 2, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Now, those are harsh words. What's he saying? He's saying this. Circumcision is no mere physical act. Certainly a physical act, but no mere physical act. It's a, it's a physical act identifying with and taking upon oneself the whole weight of the law of Moses. And Paul says, if you're in Christ and you take the weight of the law of Moses upon yourself, you've just returned back to bondage. You've just returned back to bondage. Don't go back to bondage. If you take circumcision, you're taking the weight and the condemnation and the sting of the law upon yourself. Don't do it. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. What counts is faith working through love. So Paul says, you've been freed from performative righteousness. Don't return to it. And whether you realize it or not, if you take circumcision upon yourself, you are returning to the law and you are returning to bondage. Now, just to be clear, I don't think Paul is saying in a 21st century hospital setting, if your child happens to be circumcised, I don't think he's saying they're taking the whole law upon himself. He's saying the religious act is an act of returning to the bondage that Christ has freed you Theologian John Stott wrote, taking circumcision as a Gentile Christian is tantamount to saying that Moses must be allowed to finish what Christ had begun, end quote. And Paul is saying, no, Christ did the work. We stand in Christ. So with your freedom, don't return to bondage. And verses 7 through 12, don't allow others to push you into bondage. Don't allow others to push you into bondage. Um, Paul says, you were running well, and you've been hindered. This hindrance is not from the Lord. And then we get these really often quoted passages in the Bible. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. What he's saying is, is, a, is it seems like one or two loud and wrong people end up making the whole group wrong and possibly loud. He says, guys, don't return to the bondage. He says, I don't preach circumcision. That's why I'm being persecuted. So join me in the persecution. (laughs) 
And then those of us that like a little snark in our lives, we get verse 12. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Feels a little out of left field, just a little bit. I didn't know that was in the Bible. But here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, the troublemakers want you to mutilate yourself by forcing circumcision on you. I rather wish they would mutilate themselves and go away. The New Living Translation actually, I think, gets this very well. Verse 12, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. We have kids in the room, so I'm being vague on purpose. But if they mutilated far enough, they become a eunuch. And a eunuch is not allowed to be a priest, and they've disqualified themselves from teaching among God's people. And so Paul's just saying, I wish they would disqualify themselves because, frankly, they're disqualified. So, so here's the exhortation. In your freedom, don't yearn to return to bondage. And don't submit to stumbling caused by others. Stand firm in the freedom Christ has given you. Third point, and the second kind of the second kind of practical shaping, don't serve the flesh. Don't use your freedom to serve your flesh. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use, use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Now, Notice what Paul says here. In verses 13 through 15, he says this. Spiritual freedom does not mean you can do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to, however you want to. Spiritual freedom does not mean you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. And some of us are like, well then, how's it freedom? He says... We've been freed by Christ so that we can freely love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's implied. And we're free to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're free to serve. We're free to care. We're free to love. We're free to show mercy as we've been shown mercy. We're free to show grace as we've been shown grace. We're free to invest. Why? Because we don't have to perform to earn. We don't have to perform to prove ourselves. We've been freed. But our freedom is not so we can go pursue the pleasure of sin and death. 
The freedom is so we can go pursue the glory of God and the love of others as He has loved us. We're not free to gratify ourselves. We're free to glorify the Lord and to serve others. Now, friends... There's some timeliness to verses 14 and 15. So let's just take a minute here, okay? Paul says, The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Christians, I just want to challenge you. Take stock of how many times the Scripture as a whole, but particularly the New Testament, tells us that Christ's intent for his people is that we love our neighbor as ourself. Here, Paul is actually going a step further, and he's saying Jesus died for you, rose again for you, redeemed you, put his spirit in you so that you are free to love others more than you love yourself. So the next time we hit one of those big political dilemmas or those big sociological arguments that seem to be fracturing the whole world, just simply take up Galatians 3.14 and ask yourself this diagnostic question. In what way, as a child of God and a person of the Holy Spirit, can I display God's love in this moment? Because remember, Jesus said your neighbor is not the person who lives next door to you. Not even just the person that lives across the street and maybe behind you, but your neighbor is those whom God sovereignly puts you around who are in need. That's the story of the Good Samaritan, if you're new to the Scripture. Verse 15. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. What if we believed that the role of a believer in the body of Christ is to love and serve rather than to bite and devour? To separate and cast stones? What if the church at large needs more display of the power of the Spirit than discernment and separation. Those are air quotes around discernment, if you're listening. It seems that Paul's lumping all this together and saying, Christ didn't free us to please our flesh, Christ didn't free us to serve ourselves, but to serve others. And Christ didn't free us to have a bitter, divisive, devouring tongue, but rather to build and to love and to serve the unity of the body of Christ. Guys, this isn't Jamie trying to read the last 24 months in our society into the scripture. This is just the passage. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Don't divide and don't bite and devour one another. Why? Because Christ has freed us from such bitter pursuits. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. So our Lord and our God, we pray first that to anyone in this space who doesn't know your son, Jesus, we pray you would bring salvation this day. We believe you're sovereign. We believe you intervene and work. So, Lord, would you intervene and work and bring salvation? To those of us who know Christ and have been spiritually freed by him, cause us to trust and to have faith and to stand firm and to walk in your ways. Fill us with your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name.